It was all a pipe dream Watching bodyboarding up on TV Deep at reef, watching tension repeats Eating bakery feeds at 18 Living the dream with no sunscreen Yeah, we were so keen Surfing Aussie pipe Buying Riptide Eating shit pies G'day and welcome to the Riptide Bodyboarding Podcast The home of bodyboarding Thank you for joining us on episode 13 of our verbal journaling And I'm your host, Luke O'Connor Well, my guest today is undoubtedly the uncontested queen of Portuguese bodyboarding. Holding seven Portuguese national championship wins, four European titles, and the 2017 APB world title. Plus, a cover on the world-renowned fashion magazine, GQ. She's quite the decorated athlete, I would say. Plus, holding a local beer sponsorship that is one of the best beverages that I got to taste personally in Portugal. I'm speaking to none other than Joanna Schenker. How you going, mate? <laughs> Hello, good morning. Yes, oh, good morning, uh, good morning. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> no dramas at all, man. I'm so stoked you came along because um, obviously you've got a really, really busy, busy schedule lately. And I know um, there's been a real big highlight in your, your week. You recently placed second in the 2022 Sintra Pro. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. What a way to to end the the tour because this year was a very long tour. Actually, <laughs> been traveling for a month now, and haven't really scored a podium. So um, finishing with a podium in Sintra, which is like my home competition, uh, was was quite fine. Was good. Yeah, felt good. <laughs> yeah, Effie, it would have felt amazing to um, get that close to you know pretty much making a final is is almost a win because you you've made to the point end of the competition and things can kind of go either way in, in, a, in a final as we all know but was it was it great having um you know that hometown feel and being able to perform in front of your home home crowd yeah you know Sintra is really tricky it's uh, it's for me the most difficult one of all of them because it's so the conditions are so unpredictable one day it's big you have to paddle a lot and at the other day it gets tiny so we we like always Sintra started off with big waves and then kept dropping uh, and on Sunday uh the, in the morning, it was really fun waves, but by the time of the final, it was almost flat and really fat and um, not much opportunity at all. So I was leading the heat until pretty much four minutes of, of the end. And then Sari um, took over and there was no way to, to respond to that. So it's it, and then everybody there watching and tr- tr- wanting me to win, of course, in Portugal. But um, it's actually a lot of pressure, Sintra, for me. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a super tricky wave. And the ocean can be a very cruel beast, hey, like when it comes to not allowing you an opportunity to really show your best. Yeah, so that, that was kind of what, what what happened. Actually, I think half an hour after the final, there was no more waves to surf. Like, it was just flat. So we were just, you know, really on the, on the timer there <laughs> to finish the competition. Yeah, wow. So did the tide, like, really rise in? Like yeah. But when the tide, depending on how the sands are in Sintra, but when when the tide comes in, it gets really flat and then it gets just flat without breaking. So uh, tide coming in, swell dropping, uh, it all came together for for being flat in the end. Joanna, I've only surfed that wave twice, but correct me if I'm wrong here. I know you would have surfed it a million times and and, um, practicing the competition and various events there. It seems like there's always gutters there and there's banks out the back, but rarely does it push the whole way in without a, a dead spot or some sort of gutter being formed there. Is, is, is that because it's so open to all the swell and it kind of gets eaten away or is it just a peculiar beach? Uh, well, you know, I, I'm not I'm not a local. I'm I'm from the south, but yeah, I know Sintra Plagrande for, for many years now. Uh, it's always like that and the sand is always shifting. So you usually have all good waves by high tide or by low tide. It's, it's really rare like that you have all tides working. So you, and the tides, it changes like in, in your heat, it can just change from being waves to being no waves or uh, from being left to right. So, you know, it's, it's really, really tricky. So you have to be completely adaptable to surf there. <laughs> Really? Did you do um, any tweaking to your equipment for that adaptation in regards to, say, the tide filling in, swell dropping? Did you did you up a size in board or was there any sort of um, you um, know, different equipment you brought in? I really, I, I never changed, like, size, the size of my boards, always the same. I, what I, I was using a really new board, like a brand new one. And when I saw, the, uh, especially in the beginning of the competition, the few, first few days, it was bigger and the landings were like uh, heavier. So I switched to my old board because I wanted to have a little bit more flex. Uh, 
that was the only thing I did really. I, I never would change um, sports that much. I just prefer to keep it always the same. I don't know. <laughs> No, that's lovely. I, I, I'm I'm much the same too, and I I know there's a lot of other people that are very fanatical about their boards and they want to get certain sizes and for certain days. And you know, the only time I've really seen a, a board change come into play was the 2019 Kaima Pro when the wedge was extremely small here <laughs> on the east coast. And I think I remember Jake Stone or Mitch Rawlins paddling out with a 43 or 44 inch, and um, you know hats off to them because they they played it correctly and the way they could project out of those small waves there with that bigger size board and have more surface area area to land really did play um into their hands but other than that i'm i'm, I'm much the same i've never changed um size boards yeah, the only thing i would go from is like a pp to a i guess these days it's a it's not a dow it's not really a pe it's like a Energy, energy, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's crazy. I really do miss the days of Dow boards. <laughs> yeah. What, um, sorry, sorry. No, go, no, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Oh, and I was, I was just going to ask, talking about boards, what's been your favourite board? Have you got one that you've still got underneath the house that you're never going to let go of? Uh, yeah, like it's it's uh, my board, actually. Um, it's uh, This year it turned into a pro model. It's in shops. It's available for, for anyone who wants to buy it, but it has been my board all for many many years and i didn't really change much um just the channels uh got updated when the triquad channels came in and all that and it has been my go-to board ever since i don't change much on it it's pretty perfect like it is now i feel like i've, I've reached the point where i don't have to change much on it for now <laughs> maybe if i get really yeah. fat i need to uh add some some inches but <laughs> now it's okay <laughs> <laughs> well, oh yes, Charlie. I, I keep drinking beer like this. I'll be going up a couple of inch sizes for sure. What um, what size boards do you ride? Uh, thirty nine point uh, five. Okay, yeah. cool. Thirty nine point yeah, five. Yeah. And has, has yeah. that been a standard for a while? Like you know, you've started riding a bodyboard at the age of thirteen. Had you obviously maybe a bit smaller then, but from kind of reaching your um, you know, your full growth, I guess, as as a human <laughs> being, have you have you let that size just stay at that standard the whole way? Uh, well, I think it's perfect size for me. When I started out, there, there were no 39.5 boards available. So I started with whatever was there on the market. First, I started with too big, and then I went to too small. I, I, there was a time I had a 38, which is way too small for me. Then I had a, 30, a 40, which is too big. And uh, I really just got this perfect size when I, when I got the opportunity to make my, my own custom uh, boards with, with signs. So um, until then, I was struggling to find the perfect board now. Or they were too wide or too thick or something was always off. And now now I feel like it's perfect, pretty perfect, yeah. So you, you've kind of perfected your board with science over the last five or ten years? Like, yeah. How long has the relationship yeah. been? Uh, since 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 2014. Wow. Long time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you feel working with probably the goat of bodyboarding? Oh, I mean, it's great. Uh, Mike is always super helpful, super supportive. Whatever I need, I can just pick up the phone and ask him, which is um, a really cool thing to have. And, I mean, I've never had any problems with my board. They they always come perfectly, just like I, I ordered them. So I say it's uh, it's pretty good. And this year, you know, we made this pink board uh, for the market, and people have been responding very well to it, and a new color is coming in October. So, yeah, I'm happy. That's epic. And would you say that's your favorite colorway that you've ever produced? No, my favorite colorway is black on black. <laughs> black the whole way through. So black slick, black rails, black deck. And then uh, white uh, tailpiece. Yeah. Ah, that's my favorite nice. one. Yeah, Almost kind of like a yin and yang feel, but you've got way more, way more yang than, than uh, me. I feel like it's a little black dress, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's how you <laughs> yeah. see it? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's golden, man. That's golden. Everyone does have their, their, their favorite colorways. I think I, mine would probably still be the classic BP colors of the mm. yellow um, deck, orange. Uh, black rails and orange slick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So nice. And um, with your sponsors at the moment, how, uh, how are they all going? So you're obviously sponsored by Science Bodyboards. Uh, are you sponsored mm-hmm. by a wetsuit company? Yeah, by Reflex, but um, I think we, we, I don't know how it's going to be for next year, so we're still looking into that. 
and and yeah like i have a my my main sponsors are all from portugal like the, the beer company as you said Cerveja oh, i've been in with them for such a good beer so many years now they're like my family and and obviously the the aquarium from lisbon which is my main sponsor um i've been doing a lot of work with them also on on uh, ocean conservation i have a whole project uh, that goes into school and talks about the ocean about plastic and all that all those issues and then uh, my local town they have been sponsoring me for for many years as well so yeah and a couple others like um sunscreen like aven uh, they also have a, a sunscreen that is uh, ocean friendly and and the Volkswagen, of course, my car. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy with my sponsors, to be honest. <laughs> Man, you'd be probably one of the most, like, hooked-up bodyboarders going around. That's amazing. Yeah, it takes a lot of work also, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, no, 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 for to sure. To keep I'm everyone happy. They, it's a lot of work because it's many brands and they all have projects and they all have things I need to do for them and places I need to be. And so I have my whole, like, my whole calendar is full with appointments for to keeping everyone happy. But, yeah. For sure, it just shows you're extremely marketable and, and have got a very good business head on you and you're very professional because to hold all those those business deals uh, at, at any given time and to still have a um, normal fluid life is obviously, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm only like, you know, thinking abroad, thinking that must be extremely hard and obviously tiresome at times. Is there a lot of um, obligations that you have with those sponsors that you have to upkeep every year? Yeah, they are, they are. So I, I have like a lot of days where I have to dedicate it to one, not to the other. And the big problem is I live in Sagres, which, which is like three and a half hours from Lisbon. And everything happens in Lisbon. So I always have to go there. Uh, basically, it's one day for, you know, a lunch or an event <laughs> or whatever it is. But, you know, I, I understand. I understand. And it's like my investment into being a professional bodyboarder and living the rest of the year like I want to. So it's okay. Actually, and it's fun sometimes as well. Like, it's usually it's fun. Yeah, there must be some crazy cool perks. I was only thinking through that um, that program that you're running with the Lisbon Aquarium in regards to the ocean, ocean conservation. You must meet so many cool characters and cats in regards to the scientific world and, and how yeah. they're all trying to, yeah. you know, save the planet from, from doom and gloom, really. How's that going? It's just this year. There was um, Lisbon was a city uh, that hosted the UN United Nations Conference for the Oceans, so they they invited me to be their ambassador for for that event, and I was was there on the conference, and it was crazy. Like there is a lot going on. Many people working really really hard to, um, yeah, to get things better, to convince politicians politicians to be more aware. And I didn't even know there were so many ONGs. Um, working on so many different topics within the ocean all over the world and they all joined together there um in first june i think so that was really interesting and then also the whole project with the schools like um i, I go into schools it's a school talk it's a one hour school talk and the schools invite me so i can they just apply on the website and i go to the school i have my talk and it's been a crazy experience because it has been ten thousand kids almost ten thousand kids until now which is uh, many days in schools, like many, many days in schools. And I didn't even, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't, I couldn't even, you know, there's, there's, there's seven talks and at the end of the day you have no voice. Uh, but it's rewarding because, I mean, I, I really think we need to do that, that stuff. It's it's getting to the line, you know. <laughs> it's getting no, really no, critical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, I can only remember visiting um, Europe a couple of years ago and the amount of debris that washes up on your west coast there is quite alarming. Um, is that something that spurred you on to kind of pursue this sort of challenge? Yeah, of course. I mean, I go to my local beach and I can just uh, pile up the plastic or the tiny pieces that are impossible to, to clean really, you know, every day and it's more every day. And I think you just get reminded of how big the problem is when it happens to your own beach. And then if you think about the world, you almost faint. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, um, and you actually yeah. think about how much plastic is out there. I've, I've heard so many different uh, analogies and, you know, uh, viewpoints on it in regards to comparing, say, like a, a natural resource we have to then how much plastic is in the ocean. And they've even described like a, and I, I wanted to ask you about Boyan Slat, actually, and, and his work that he's been doing, um, the... Dutch fella uh, in regards to his um, 
uh, mechanical device that's collecting all the microplastics in the ocean. But uh, one of the um, comparisons I heard was that there's a garbage patch almost the size of Australia floating out in the Pacific. Is is that? Yeah. Is that true? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I don't know exactly the size. There are different uh, analogies to to the sizes, but uh, it's pretty scary to be honest. Really, really scary. And then. Once you like hear about all these problems, it's also overfishing. Overfishing is such a huge problem. This industrial fishing, it's just ripping the oceans uh, clean from everything that's life. And, you know, the the bottom, how you say, the bottom dra- drainers? I don't know. Where they scratch the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. All of those. And and plans for deep, deep, deep sea mining. I had no idea about plans about uh, deep sea mining until I went to that conference. And it's concerning because they, they really want to uh, explore, like, the most unknown part of the ocean when no one knows what's going to be the consequence of that so uh yeah it's almost if you if you think about everything you almost want to give up but um that's it's not possible huh yeah no for sure and it's great to be invested we need people like you to, to keep on doing that in regards to australia's position on that we've only recently had to fight off various um oil companies that have been trying to uh do deep sea well um drilling into so many uh i would say exquisite parts of the coast like if you look at the mm. south australian coastline down there the southern ocean that's some of the most pristine uh water pristine air and some of the mo- some of the the rawest swell that 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 we actually get here in australia and they wanted to put uh, all these these offshore mining dwellings out like i don't know 50 100 150 200 k's off the shore you know in in full-on marine sanctuaries and 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 that's still we're still trying to fight that off every day there's been a lot of wins but there's there's always the next next competitor trying to come up and and you know obviously seeing the the bang for buck and and as your point of all the minerals that can be mined out of the ocean floor and it's almost like you look at the earth as a big apple and you can just see little pieces being taken out of it you know how there was those i don't know if you, you ever used one but it was a potato gun and you would have a potato, put like the gun into it and then pull it out and you could shoot that tiny bit of potato at anyone. Did you have that? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> oh, they were the biggest trip out when I was a kid, but I think that's my analogy when it comes to comparing what's going on. It's like everyone's just trying to pick a little piece out of this, this apple or this potato that we're all living on and yeah. soon enough it's going to have that many holes and crater, craters in it. We won't know what to do with it. It's, it's, it's crazy because I... You know, we are all part of the problem. On the other hand, we all seem like we don't know what to do to solve it. So it's this big thing where you fight big corporations, but then you also need to look at yourself, like what am I doing at home that I'm probably helping or contributing to, to this whole thing? And it's just, I feel like it's just so many people on the planet that's going to be hard to, to pull off. Like we are too many people, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> for sure no no for, for sure overpopulation is a, a, a huge thing i think if we tighten our practices in certain ways in regards to our agricultural practices and obviously um obviously all the fossil fuels in- industries and all that kind of stuff there, there is things we can do but confined mm. by the grips of capitalism and obviously our financial system that we'll, we'll be all run off it is very hard to make those changes because it's people lose money and they're not willing to do that and da 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 yeah. but going back to your point before what do you do at home to um you know lower your um your footprint on the earth i guess yeah so at home like it's a really good exercise because it's uh quite difficult to do that at home <laughs> you know it's really easy to say do this do that blah 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 but then to actually go to your recycling bin and have it empty it's really difficult so basically, if you, if, you, if you shop at any local market, you can get rid of all the plastic. If you, uh, you know, turn, up the, turn down the water while you're showering, you're already saving water. Um, I think it's the little things you can do at home that you don't miss too much. Like I never tell people, oh, you can never buy your favorite food again because it comes in a wrapper of plastic. No, buy it. For all means, but just don't buy the other ones that you don't 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 like that much. Um, it's about that, I think, trying to to avoid the little things because they really add up. Like it, uh, by the end of the week, if my recycling bin it's not completely full, I'm happy <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, because really, yeah. it's hard to do, and when you're traveling, it's even harder. Like um, you know, filling up your water bottle and then 
even if you're really conscious about it, then you end up with a plastic bottle in your hand. You don't even know how where it, where it came from. So it's it's a challenge. And with everything, what you buy, what I, I think the big picture here is that understand that your money is your vote. So whatever you buy, it's like it's the best way to to change anything is to invest your money in the stuff you 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 believe in that are better. So that's probably what what we all should be thinking about when when buying something you know was that the was was that the chat at the um un convention in regards to how do we stimulate the economy in a, a positive way in in regards to uh renewable practices and and environmental environmentally safe practices is is, is that the kind of avenue guys were going for because i the, my, my personal view on it is that it won't change until there's financial incentive there for those large corporations not just yeah. to do it as a marketing and like a PR kind of little, you know, um, flick onto the public just to show them that they're doing the right thing, but to actually legitimately change their ways and to to you know to rewire their 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 um their whole business structure is is that something that was that was spoken about? They, yeah, definitely because they they were targeting big corporations, also basically countries, you know, um, um, governments to change. So I think it's all about the big the big thing. Obviously, uh, we all like to think that telling people to, to use a refill, you know, refill, refill, refill a bottle, it's going to solve the problem. It's, it's not going to solve the problem for sure. Um, and also about marine protected areas, like there is a huge um, conversation about that because it, sh- it has been shown to be the, the most effective way to actually protect the ocean in those parts. And it's to, to just have marine protected areas. And they want to protect, uh, I think it's 30% of the ocean, of the world, it's ocean by 2030, if I'm not mistaken. So that's a big thing they, they aim for. Yeah, epic. That'd be amazing. That would be amazing. I think um, a lot of areas, even on the East Coast here in Australia, have just been fished out to the nines. Uh, and when you go to other places um, around our continent, only speaking from, from personal experience, Visiting those areas, you can see a uh, a wealth of um, of sea life in in those protected areas and less populated areas. So you know, I mm. think the the statement's very true. The proof's in the pudding. Just um, ease ease back. Stop using you know fifty or hundred meter long nets and these huge trawlers and trying to pull this and that. They're, they're probably even longer, really. They're probably half a k to a k. But it's in, insane what you see on those um, those videos, and they're just pulling in any sort of catch. And all the bycatch yeah. is just yeah. It can be anything. It can be anything. You know what I mean? It's not just, like, oh, we're going out for sardines today or we're going out for salmon today. We're going, well, whatever. It's just anything that's there in that net, we're taken. And if we kill it in the process, we just chuck it overboard and we just move on. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's pretty, like, disrespectful, huh, for, for, <laughs> for the whole thing. I always feel like, um, how, when did we think that's okay? Like, when did humanity think that's okay? Uh, well... Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I totally agree. And I was I was only thinking um, just during this conversation. You obviously your parents were um, German nationals, and they moved to the Algarve in the nineteen eighties. And I was just thinking, you've you've got such a passion, obviously, for conservation. Did they instill that in you from a young age? Um, not exactly, but yes, like not on purpose. I think my mom was always my mom was a complete uh, anti-consumerist person she never buys anything she takes everything secondhand she she just hates to buy stuff um and I, I grew up in the middle of nowhere like in the middle of a uh, nature basically um very very simple upbringing but that also got us and i have three little sisters so we were four girls in the middle of nowhere <laughs> it's pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah, we had like we had all nature all around. It, it was always part of our of our daily life. I I remember playing outside all my my childhood, and I turned vegetarian when I was ten because I I really loved animals and I couldn't um, eat them. So I mean, it doesn't make any sense to really love animals and then to eat them. So I just stopped eating animals by age ten, and it I think it came through from there, like really. You know, then when you once you learn more, you you understand better how it works, and then you can change some things you do, and so on. Yeah. It sounds like an absolute paradise where you grew up. Was that on the west coast of Portugal? Yeah, it's just a uh, ten minutes from Sagres, um, 
going up the coast on the west coast basically in a l tiny little wi village with uh, like 10 old people living there it was, it was uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're all dead now of course <laughs> but... <laughs> that's even more hectic were they all sitting out the front just having their um their small little short blacks every morning and those amazing oh, yeah. cups you guys have yeah basically sitting on on their front door all day <laughs> Pretty much doing that. The perfect oh. Portuguese picture, you know, the old people sitting on the front door. Exactly I, like that. I love that about Portugal so much. I could not stop staring. Like, you know, trying to do it in the most polite manner mm. from, from afar, but just, just observing them. They do it every morning. They'd have a yarn. They watch the world go past. It's such a beautiful um, way to observe people and to take things in and to, to learn. And it's so different to the way. Um, I guess like, you know, the fast paced Western world sometimes offers in, um, operates, sorry, in regards to like, you wake up in the morning and even I'm a victim to this, you wake up in the morning and you just go, go, go. And you don't stop yeah. until your head hits the pillow the next night. And it, I found a lot of, a lot of really cool meaning in watching, um, the older generation of, um, of Portugal just sipping on their coffee and just watching the world go by. So cool. And it's beautiful because, you know, Portugal has changed a lot in the last 10 years. It's packed with people. It's like full of tourists. It's losing a little bit by little those ways, but the older people still do it. You, you can walk through any street and you still see it. And it's kind of, it's charming. It's, it's nice to see that Portugal still has that, that identity and it's not going away so fast with all, you know, all the changes and people coming in and people coming to live here and and the little cafes being transformed into those cafes that look like from ikea and, and all that so the original ones are still pretty original do you have um you know every summer obviously sagres is a hot spot for tourists and um, I, I know a, a lot of Europeans from, from, from all corners of Europe flock, flock to um, Sagres over that three-month period. Is it difficult living there during that time? It is. It is. I, I honestly don't like it from, Ju from June to end of August. I prefer not to be here. I, like this year was perfect. The whole world tour was during the summer, so I wasn't even here. I was maybe here for four days the whole summer, so I, I missed it all. Wow, it just gets busy schedule. Wow. Yeah, it just gets so packed, and you know you can't park on the beaches where usually there's no cars and there's no bread in the supermarket, and you stand in line for every restaurant. So I just, I don't, I don't, I don't really love to be here during the summer. I understand it's very important for everyone, like it's the main income from everyone here. But if I can avoid it, I, I happily avoid <laughs> avoid it. And now then, uh, from October onwards, it gets it gets really nice again and. And waves are, be are better, and yeah, it's just more the savage I know from during the winter time. Definitely, if anyone wants to visit, come during winter because summer is it's not that nice, I would say. As in regards to the weather, it can be pretty brutal. Mm. Yeah, but we never like. Yeah, I mean, it gets cold, but not you know, not like Britain cold or Germany cold. It gets cold, but not, not super cold. Uh, I usually surf with a 4.3 or maybe a 5.3 would be good, but usually 4.3. Um, we have some rain, but not that much. Like it's, it's, even in winter, it's pretty, usually it's sunny and then we have some cold wind, but it's not like a brutal, brutal winter ever, to be honest. Yeah, 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 for sure. And you guys are pretty, pretty lucky in your geographical location, aren't you? Because I, I guess you're seen as almost the bottom of, of Europe. I know Spain kind of continues on and there's a bit of a, a bit of a detour, the detour further down, but I guess the, the way your cliffs stand so tall and so stark against, um, against the ocean there, it just seems, um, seems like the edge of the world. It's such a fascinating place. It is the end of the world. Like we, we usually call it the end of the world. Um, yeah, we're we really lucky. We always always have uh, options to surf, even when big swells hit the coastline. We have those little beaches that are more protected. Or and during summer, we have waves all summer because we have the west coast, which is open open ocean, and those cliffs are what what does all the magic, right? For for those wedges like Bleach or Zavial or even Tunnel, um, those those cliffs do all the the magic, really. Oh man, I saw that. Um, I got to visit in 
late spring, early summer, and we surfed the leash. I actually surfed on a surfboard because there was only one, maybe mm. two foot at times. Um, and I just could only borrow a softie off someone. But uh, on, on, on the beach, I didn't have any boards with me. And, man, I was I was in love straight away. You could tell the way it was just wedging across. Obviously, like, it, it needs good sand at the times. And I know you guys get a lot of swell, so to be iffy at, 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 at times that when the sand line's up there, surely it's got to be one of the best wedges going around. Like, it's magical. It is. It's really fun. And the funny thing is, this is, you probably noticed when you were here, it's, it's packed with surfers, like most tourism, most uh, surfer tourism, uh, hundreds of uh, surf schools, you know, p- pushing people in the white water. <laughs> That's yeah. a big thing here. But the core locals, like the people, everyone that really from here it's all bodyboarders we have easily 100 bodyboarders um a regular when during winter showing up on, on on the beach so it's still like very tight this tight community we still have it i i never have to surf like alone with a bunch of people i always have people there like my friends and everything so we have still that little well that little place feeling even though we completely packed with 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 tourism yeah yeah and the Little bars down on the beach. I was blown away. They're um they're a pretty cool setup. Obviously in in, in winter they probably wouldn't be be um be operating. But yeah, you you guys got a cart a, a fair bit of um beer and 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 supplies up and down those stairs. There's some long stairs down. <laughs> it is, it is. And then people complain the beer is too expensive. But I I wonder like how do they think the beer goes into the bar and the bottom of all those stairs. Oh man, Somebody I'd be throwing like that. five. Yeah. yeah, I'd be throwing five euros on every beer. That's an absolute joke. Like that's probably like <laughs> three hundred stairs down, and by the end, your quads are just screaming at you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you were speaking about obviously all your commitments up in Lisbon, and you still live down in Sagres. Have you ever thought about moving away from that magical place, or are you are you pretty set? No, no, I'm pretty set. I wouldn't leave, like. Portugal, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever visited the Azores, which is um, our islands. They're beautiful. Every time no, I go to the Azores, no. I'm like, I could live here probably. But but no, I, I couldn't really move. I don't I don't think so. It's just, I, I love to, you know, I, I take on the three-hour car, dry, uh, car ride to go anywhere happily. When I come, come back home, I'm like, okay, I'm home. <laughs> yeah, I it's so move. cool you do that, though, because that's almost like... Uh... I don't want to sound too, too stuck up or boisterous when I say this, but it, it, it is almost the Australian way of, 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 um, of doing things. Like, for example, um, I drove down to Aussie Pipe the other day, which is about two, two and a half hours maybe from right. I live in Sydney. And um, mm. for us, you just do two, two and a half hours. You surf for three, four hours or whatever, and then you just drive home in, 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 in the evening. And... I've noticed talking to a lot of different people from, say, South America or, or Europe or other parts of the world, they won't drive any longer than an hour or so for waves, where I think we're so used to here in Australia being such a large country that you have to put those those hours in behind the wheel. So it's cool to see you just going, you know what, three and a half hours, I'm doing that easy. I'm just, I'm cruising on the highway. Yeah, you know, it's 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 whatever. It, that's the thing that allows me to, to be here and to surf whenever I want. So I understand it's like... It's important that I do it, and I'll, I'll just do it for that. Uh, but I have to say, I wouldn't drive more than twenty minutes to any beach because I wouldn't. Oh, there's the true European <laughs> coming out. <laughs> you know, there's so many waves, like an hour up, upwards, or an hour and a half, or even going to Peniche. It's not that that far, you know. But I would never take the car and go to Peniche, like never. So you never saw super tubes. I do, but uh, if I'm up there already or if I have a comp or like that, I wouldn't go just for for that session up there. I, w- I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because it's here. Okay. It's great. We, we, we have waves at home. Every time it's waves anywhere else, we have waves here. So it feels like no point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And obviously yeah. a couple of your little coves too are very well protected. They can handle those those nasty onshore winds that come with the swell, hey? Exactly. So there's no reason to to leave. I've I've never left home to surf in within Portugal just for surfing like a spot. Um, I've never really gone on that. Like, it's crazy. I know people say like you need to go here and go there, but I'm just too lazy because I have to wave at home. Yeah, and then, and all, then I'm at home. The f- you know, I I have the local status. I don't have to paddle for everything. It's 
it's uh it's just comfortable to be honest yeah and you're just sitting there and going i'm the queen of portugal i'll just take my set waves and be done with it and go home go home and have a sagres whenever i want happy days yeah happy days <laughs> it's also environmental okay. friendly if you don't spend all that gas yeah yes dude see you're tying it all in you're thinking about the bigger picture not just your selfish wants and needs of waves um with with Belish and, and obviously, you know, all the amazing waves that you have around your joint, I know they're your favourites, but if you were to put them aside, what other wave in the world would you travel for? Ah, oh, hard to say. I don't know. I, I, I would, I, you know, I really love to travel, so I would go anywhere, to be honest. I really love to see anything. Um For waves, I think Canary Islands are really good uh, and they're, close by I, I I when I was in Australia I really felt sad that we, we didn't even see any waves <laughs> it was so yeah. flat we oh, didn't man. even see anything breaking period, wasn't it I yeah I couldn't believe the luck were you there for two weeks or so yeah and there was nothing yeah. pretty much nothing we even went to Aussie pipe like Lily drove us and and we came there it was just flat we didn't see anything. Um, oh, man, it's a nightmare. But... It's only funny you actually mentioned Lily. I only saw her at Aussie Pipe um, last Wednesday. She's a, she loves that wave. It's <laughs> such a good wave. But, yeah, that's, you, 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 you need to come back just for that wave. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you now. It is, it is special. Yeah. Obviously, just, just bring yourself and no one else. Of course, <laughs> a, of course. I, I, know the, I know the drill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You, you know what it's like. It's, it's one of those waves. But, yeah. Yeah, okay. And so you, you didn't get any waves when you are over? Uh, no, no, any. It was that little thing there in Kayama for the contest, and that was it. We didn't surf any, anywhere else. We didn't see any waves. It was flat. Like, But then we went to Sydney. We had a lot of fun in Sydney. It was, it was, I love the trip to, to Australia. Like, I'd happily go, go back, so hopefully soon. Yeah, well, you need to you need to come back and actually score some of our waves. At least you went to probably the most wave-rich area in Australia on the um, south coast down there. But I, I want to know more about your Sydney adventures. What what, what did you get up to in the, the big bad city? Oh, we went to, to see all the stuff. Like, uh, we actually went to, to the opera house. Like, Sari, um, she was driving, and it was... It was crazy because she <laughs> she wanted to drive us like um, to the door of our accommodation, which which was like in the heart of Sydney, and she had no idea. And you can't park anywhere; like it's it's insane. So it's that nightmare. wasn't Honestly, yeah, it wasn't Sydney's an adventure an really. And then she she managed to park there. We took all the stuff out because we were four girls with board bags and a lot of luggage. And then she she drove us to the opera house and. Then she lost the car inside of the parking. She couldn't find it. She had to go to the airport. I, it was it was it was really funny, and she had to leave. Hang on, and hang, we... on hang on. She lost her car in the car park. Yeah, because it's like a spiral a spiral that goes down, and it was a rental car. And she had to hurry to the airport, and she didn't remember which car it was. So she was walking up and down trying to find the car. Oh uh, my god! Have you seen the uh, movie, dude? Where's my car? Yeah. <laughs> That is sounding like a full female bodyboarding version of that. That's so good. It's so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, and then she, she had to leave to Japan, and we we stayed there for two days, and we cruised the whole city. We had dinner. We went to a bunch of pubs. So it was it was fine. It was fun. Yeah, really fun. Yeah, epic. Did you get to go to the rocks? Any of the old pubs in there? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we went with Emma. Emma Emma's uh, Cobb gave us a little tour, so oh. maybe she took us. I don't really know any like names or anything where we went because it was really fast. We went to Chinatown. Um, yeah, we, we had, we, yeah. yeah. We took epic, a boat yeah, 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 yeah. under the bridge and all that. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. And um, did you get to see any koalas, any kangaroos? Uh, yeah, we did. Actually, um, when we went to see that, uh, when we went to um, Aussie Pipe there, a bunch of, kangaroos they were just hanging out there so we could pet them and it's it's super cool for a european to see a kangaroo just at the car park yeah yeah oh 100 <laughs> yeah. we, we even saw him down barrel lakes the other day i was down with some fellas from home and um yeah we saw him on a trip down to another wave near Darris, and it was just insane to see uh to see him all huddled up, we we hadn't seen him at, at at home for a little bit. If you don't see one in six months to to, to a mm. year, and you kind of pop into them, they're majestic creatures. They're super powerful too. When you look at them and how much, how much 
beef they have on them you know what i mean and how like how strong they are in the legs it's insane tell me you've seen that video of that um of that fella punching on with a big big bag kangaroo out in the middle of australia yeah i have seen it i have seen it you know it's, how it's hectic is that for for us from europe we don't have any wildlife we have nothing we have a fox that's the most exciting thing we have and yeah what's going on? like a fox or like a tiny you know like a tiny animal yeah yeah, yeah. And going to Australia, having wild, big animals, so crazy. And now I, I just came back from South Africa, and you have baboons and whales and so much wildlife just, you know, being free, like running around. It's it's so cool to see. It's really, really cool to see that there is still, like, life on, on the planet that it's not all, like, um, caged in or, you know, controlled. So, yeah, it's, yeah, 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 it's really, sure. really cool. And. I guess too, like looking at uh, Africa and Australia being pretty large continents and kind of some of it being uninhabitable. I know the west coast of South Africa is pretty barren as is like the middle of Australia and some parts of the west too. So it's cool to see that um, animals still reign supreme. But how was um, how was South Africa? So that was the Walker Pro, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, the Walker Pro. I loved it. Like the waves weren't epic. Actually, it was pretty hard. It was big in the beginning and then... That wave is also very tricky, but I love the whole experience. The place it's way more beautiful than I, than I anticipated, and uh, everyone there was so stoked to have the comp there. All the locals, all the people there, and uh, it was it was an amazing experience. Like this year was really fun because we had competitions in places we didn't have before, like the Walkaway Pro in South Africa, or even the Maldives. Um, the Maldives just before that was crazy good. Like I loved it. Yeah, that looked like um, yeah. such a beautiful spot. And that comp zone there looked trippy as, because I know there's been a bit of conjecture from uh, the local crew in regards to that infrastructure being built out the back there with that, that huge bridge. But um, looking at the wave and, 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 how it, and how it comes in and, and how the setup is, it must have been so much fun to surf, not even just from a comp perspective, just to go out and free surf. It was super fun. And it, there was waves every single day and we surfed every single day and... The locals were really welcoming and the water is so warm. <laughs> it's just, you know, <laughs> it's actually, uh, it doesn't even take any effort to go surf. You just walk into the water. It's uh, really, really nice. Uh, it was epic. Like that was probably the best comp of the whole entire year for me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, wow. Wow. Yeah. And, and that was, you got a fifth place there also? Yeah, I did. I had a bunch of fifths <laughs> until until Sinja was all fifths. Very, um Heck. Uh, how do you tell it? How do you say it? It's um, uh, consistent. <laughs> consistent. Fifth yeah, place. yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, you can't be saying no to fifth place. It's a lot better than last. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With competition, like, does it rub off on you every now and again? Like, do you feel sometimes? Because I know it can be a Sorry? deep, dark place to I... tour, and um, obviously with bodyboarding, just kind of coming back. So, are you, are you there? Uh, yeah, John? now you're back. I lost you there. Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, sorry, mate. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. C- can you repeat the question? Because I didn't hear it. Yeah, 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 for sure. And for the listeners and viewers at home, very sorry. Again, um, there is quite a, a lag at times just because of our locations. Myself being in Australia, Joanna over in Portugal. So, um, yeah, do apologize. But my question being, um, do you feel like on the tour, sometimes it can be a deep, dark kind of harrowing place and you you lack to find motivation sometimes because you know if you're looking back at results saying fifth 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 and and again there's nothing wrong with fifth you're competing at the highest level of bodyboarding in the world so that it's 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 quite the opposite it's accolades all around but do you find it's sometimes hard to to get yourself motivated to, to keep turning up at these comps um traveling all around the world and getting those results that you might not um be super happy with yeah definitely um like competition for me it has my whole life has been like a love-hate relationship to be honest (laughs) because I understand (laughs) yeah it's true like I understand the importance of it it has given me my whole career everybody thinks I'm this competitive person like you know all I do is competition and all that uh the, the the truth is for me it's always a way to a means like I know I have to compete I know I have to do all that to be able to be a 
professional bodyboarder and basically surf whenever I want and, you know, to have all that freedom. So it's, it's basically, it's, for me, it's what I have to do to be able to have my lifestyle that I, that I really enjoy. But of course, if you go to a competition, you want to do well and, and sometimes it doesn't go your way. So I, I don't know. I feel like this year, particularly, I get motivation from being able to travel because especially after COVID, no one was traveling. I was getting really depressed not traveling. And, and I think that's a reward for me, like being able to go out, take the airplane where, to another place. It's, it's actually a, a huge um, opportunity. It's, a, it's, you know, you, so I feel like it's, I take it as, a, as, a, as an opportunity and I can appreciate it more, I think, now. So, so yeah, that's kind of where I drive my, my inspiration from now to be able to go out, to, to just go, you know, and, and, uh, last winter was pretty hard because I had, I had, um, oh, I have a, a back injury that kept me from surfing all winter basically. And I just in February started to, to fix it and starting to be able to do rolls because I couldn't even do any rolls. Uh, and so being fifth isn't that bad, to be honest, like from a personal view, it's not bad. Obviously, if you are in the heat and you lose four because you lost for a few points or it didn't, you know, you were lacking one wave, it, it wasn't really like you got smoked. You just, there was a little bit missing all heats over and over. You feel like, ah, oh, what's wrong with me? I need to, I need to fix this. And it's mostly mental. I think once you let loose of that and just surf, then then it's way easier. At least here in Sintra, I had no more pressure. I had my ranking position secured. It would be fifth, obviously. And and so I I could just serve. Yeah. Yeah, that's so nice. We'll just take the weight off your shoulders and be and be done with it. You, you know what I mean? I think um, I think a lot of competitors, after speaking uh, with a couple so far, can just really reiterate your exact words there and just try and say get the pressure off their back, make sure that their head's in the right place and and kind of be able to push forward from heat to heat. Because really, when, when you look at it, and I only heard this um, comment a couple of months ago and it really stuck with me. And I was actually watching the WSL. Um, I'm in a surfer fantasy league, all this kind of stuff, and you get way more addicted to it because there's prize money involved and blah, blah, mm. blah, blah. But not to talk about surfing, but more, more so to, to, to talk about the viewpoint from... Um, from some of the athletes there you've got to learn to to accept losing because you lose a lot more than you win like you lose way more than you win because if you go through a competition you might win win three heats but get to then to the quarters or the semis or whatever and and you're losing and then you do the same competition or the competition on the next stop you get knocked in the second round and you've lost that heat and the ratios start to to really tip in the other way and it's and it's it's i would imagine it's hard to get yourself mentally back to where you need to be to 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 perform at your best so what's the routine that you try and implore every every comp is there like you know lead up training is there strategizing like what do you do to um i'm i'm gonna be honest not not really that much (laughs) (laughs) um i just like to be like usually i don't even surf before i there's people that have to surf in the morning before the heat i never do that i never ever do that i just want to get there watch the waves and and surf um i don't really have a like you know big ritual or anything i like to put some headphones on watch the two heats before mine and just try to get how the conditions are how the waves are coming in and all that and that's it. Like, I don't, I'm not that person that goes train like two weeks before every day. Now I like to feel fit and I like to feel um, movable. Like my body is in, in, in okay shape, but there's not much that I do, to be honest. What kind of beats do you listen to? Um, Whatever's on my Spotify, the latest. It's so it varies a lot. For Before heat, I need to have something like gets my heart pumping, whatever it is. Um, but it's all, it's all over the place. <laughs> to be honest, I can't just tell you this one. No, there's not a single, like one specific one. 
Um, yeah, that's yeah. cool though. At least you've got like, a fair bit of variety in your music. You're not keyholing yourself just to one genre. You're going, you know what, whatever gives me the vibes, whatever sends a good energy, I'm just going to throw it in and, and make it work. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I have and you... a music for every, for every mood, so there's a lot of different music. Yeah. <laughs> Six. You've got different playlists already queued up. You're like, oh, okay, I've got a long drive here. This is going to be my driving mm. playlist and just yeah, whack it yeah, on. Yeah. And... Are you it's a big Spotify very... user? Yeah, I am. It's the only yeah. thing I have on my phone, to be honest. Like, I don't have a Netflix or anything like that. I just have Spotify, yeah. What about the good old Graham? Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, man, the Graham, eh? The Graham just flashes up everything. 30 minutes is unbelievable for me just yep quick little check yep thank you back in the pocket what about uh what about tiktok are you are you into that no i you know during the pandemic i i made an account and i deleted it like two minutes after <laughs> really <laughs> you I, were just freaked yeah. out you're like no nope, no nope, i thought nope. like this is going to be a really really bad idea and i'm going to be uh, making a lot of sad uh stuff on here so <laughs> i'm going to take it off right away before it escalates yeah, I felt yeah, like I need to self control there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I, I think it, you know, I, I know it must be hard from, um, I guess, being an athlete and like marketing yourself because a lot of people want to use multiple platforms to get yourself out there. And I'm not saying you have to because you've already got such a um, such a wide audience, really. But when you look at all the different social media platforms, they can be they can be evil, eh? Like they can consume yeah. you. Um, they you can, know. they definitely can. It's it's a it's a you need to really self control on it and yeah. not to question yourself because you always compare. Like you look at different accounts and y- you have to do your own. Like for me, it's really important to have my aesthetic on my account. I hate it when I have to put stuff that I don't like. Sometimes I ha- really have to do it because a sponsor asked me to or something. But um, I try to keep it to the way that I like it. To be honest, I I really love that kind of. It's also like a almost like an artistic expression. You can do whatever you want. It's your canvas, right? Yeah, hundred so, percent. It's yeah. a true representation yeah. of yourself, and I yeah. love to hear that you are willing just to keep it true and original um, and uniquely, uniquely Joanna. Because that's that's a big thing. And a lot of people you see with profiles either have got fake friends and they've got you know these photos uploaded because they want to network into this this group here they want to do x y and z and it just becomes so so yeah. over the top you know what i mean it's... and it is creating like a toxic environment for especially for the younger generation growing up that they think that's making it you know being famous yeah. on instagram yeah i'm so happy i didn't grow up with that it came way l- later to me like i didn't have it when i was a teenager so uh, i think that was a blessing now, I, yeah. you, you know, if people, if you look at the, how many likes you have or what's the engagement and then you don't even post whatever, what you really like. So I don't even care anymore. I just post whatever I like. And if it has good engagement, great. If not, then whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, it, it's not, it's, I don't care really for that. Obviously, if, if it's a collaboration with a brand, because I, I quite do a, a few of those, which is good money. It's easy, really easy money. So if you if you do that, and I try to shoot my own content the way that it fits to my profile, it's not overly, um, you know, commercial or like that. Well, you, you got to use it. It's it's a good tool. You just don't get crazy over it. Don't don't let it get into your head. Yeah, for sure. And it's really cool to see that you've thought long and hard about it because some people just post things up willy nilly and um, probably don't realize that it's a it's a digital timeline of yourself you know, mm. represented, like, you know, beaming out to the world. So it's, it's, it's very important that you treat it with um, respect and not, and not abuse it. But um, talking about, like, you know, your time on social media and talking about uh, all the different, you know, posts you're saying about easy money and, and, and all that kind of stuff in regards to sponsors and, and whatever, where do you see... Um, where do you see the sport going through social media? I have, have with the IBC. Have they got any more plans to um, up their social media uh, presence? Have they got any more plans to maybe get uh, some more in, uh, viable streaming options? Has there been any chat about that during the comps this year? Um, I'm not exactly sure. I I was really involved in. I was a women's uh, rep for for four or five years on the tour and. Then last year I had to I had to step out. It was too much. It was getting too much for me, so I just uh, took a step back and I tried to keep away from all that, you know, behind the scenes uh, 
stuff going on or people talking about what they want to do. I, I tried to really get away from it because it was consuming me, to be honest. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure they're trying to, to, to better whatever they're doing. They have to improve their Instagram for sure and, and all that. But yeah, I mean, they have to get along, get, get on, on, on the wagon, the whole world is going on, right? So I'm pretty sure they're yeah, working on yeah. that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, whatever happens has to be on Instagram. Otherwise, no one will see it, right? So. I know, I know. It definitely kind of sucks. And that's not me taking a stab at the IBC. I think this year has been a major turnaround from what we've had previously. And uh, I think they're doing really cool things. And I really hope they continue on that upwards trend because bodyboarding needs it massively. And it needs a competitive structure that's going to flow from an international level to a national level to, you know, a state or local community level that can keep bodyboarding thriving. And, and those guys at the top have got to lead the way for sure. But it's just... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you compare it to other franchises and brands and, and organisations, they just seem to be kind of just that little bit behind. So it'd be really good to see when bodyboarding does hit that level with the resources, yeah. obviously, that um, it can just show the world what we're really made of because we all know how cool of a sport it is. We all know what we do on a wave um, is is very unique and what bodyboarders can do compared to other watercrafts. It's just hard when we don't have the digital representation that we all seek. I think it's all about budget and if, you know, they have to understand how important that is and allocate a good amount of their budget to, towards it. If they hire um, a bunch of good photographers and filmmakers and people actually running the account like full-time, then it all will get better for sure. I think it's just it was their first year, you know, IBC just started out and they, they had a lot of points to try out and to 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 get, basically get the tour running again. So I, I, I give them some, you know, credit for that and I think they will definitely get better. I hope so. Even the, the website yeah, well, and everything needs to, needs to improve. I hope for next year they, they actually invest into that. I don't know how much of the budget this year went into, into that part, but it's really important. Yeah, for definitely. sure. And credit is due where credit is due because, you know, as you just stated, those stops on the World Tour were pretty cool locations. Obviously, there was a bit of a gripe in regards to Australian legs and maybe, and that's just only from us Aussies down here that um, <laughs> wanted to see something down our way. But And obviously, again, resources and financial constraints and how everything was, was situated. I know a lot of the staff of the IBC are either European or South American, so... Um, you know, totally understandable, but it will be great to see um, when, as you said, that money does get put towards those parts of the competitive circles. It'll be, it'll be really cool to see where where it actually can go. It'll be great to have those glory days back where you could kind of, you know, have the whole beach at pipe lined with, you know, thousands of people and, and everyone's just cheering and, and um, yeah, just bringing back those kind of glory days, almost nostalgic in a way when I look back on <laughs> some of the things that I've like witnessed in DVDs or been lucky to be a part of there on, on, on the beach. It's, um, yeah, it's what bodyboarding is all about. Exactly, exactly. And I, I totally agree with you. I do think we need a, a, a tour event in Australia, definitely. So Yeah, just not yeah. climb away, Jay. Let's just cut that <laughs> out of the picture. <laughs> Whatever you want, like you choose it. <laughs> oh man, I think it was a really smart move um, from the APB team back in the day to obviously have it there because it was uh, connected to really good funding from the local community and uh, the local uh, council there was really getting behind mm-hmm. bodyboarding in that area. So I, I, I can definitely see why it was done. I just think Kaima Wedge is probably not the most consistent wave. I think it gets waves 300 days of the year, but if those banks are not what they need to be or the swell is what is not what it needs to be much like a lot of waves but there's just so many more consistent ways around that can promote higher quality bodyboarding i think with the resources placed towards it and a mobile team that could go from um spot to spot in you know yeah. a two hour wow. um strip we've got oh my goodness do you remember that nugget comp yeah 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 like wow yeah. Like, i look back in that <laughs> sure. footage sometimes and i'm like that is what bodyboarding should be because it just shows why we all bodyboard, you know? You know, yeah. imagine you're paddling out with four to six foot wedges and those left barrels and offshore winds all day and it's just you and three other females out there. I know, I know. I hope I hope we get there some someday. I really do. I really do. Hopefully for my time. I I, I wish 
I can still get that. I don't want to be retired and then, you know, we get that comp. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, actually, speaking yeah. about that, how much longer do you feel you have in the game? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't I don't have a time limit on myself. I Like I, like I said, I had a pretty rough uh, winter with a lot of back pain. I couldn't surf and... And I'm still working on it. I'm not 100%, so I still like feel like I need to be careful. Otherwise, I have another crisis. Crisis, I mean, like I can't barely get out of bed or walk straight. It's pretty bad. Wow. So um, other than that, I'm I'm still like very into it. I'm still very motivated. So as long as I'm happy and my sponsors pay for everything, and I I feel healthy, I'm I'm going to keep doing it. I don't. I wouldn't change this for anything else to be honest like any other job or any other because it's it's, it's perfect it's a living the dream you know <laughs> yeah sick so yeah. you're probably gonna probably be for another 15 20 years say so, hey i don't know we'll see <laughs> <laughs> i hope everyone, so too everyone asks me that like you are i'm almost 35 and like in two weeks i will be 35 so they are like oh isn't it like isn't it like time to you know get retired and then i'll have babies and all that stuff and I was like, nah, I'm, I'm pretty good doing what I'm doing. <laughs> Isn't that just a classic, eh? It's like you it get is. to a certain age it and it's like, oh, okay, cool. So now you're transitioning at this stage of your life and now you're moving to this, which is perfectly fine if you want to do that, but you yeah. don't have to do that if you don't want to. And if you exactly. want to continually compete at the highest level and enjoy your time in the ocean and, you know, you might not even want to have kids or have a family the other day. Everyone's so different. It's a yeah, classic exactly. cliche. It's, it's, so it's such a cliche. Especially mainstream media, that's like the the first question they throw into your face, you know, like, uh, yeah, and then you always have to be very polite and say like, oh, you know, I'm not really looking into uh, babies and stuff, so... Yeah. 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 It's unbelievable. Right? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, you know, I'm coming from a position where, where I, I have had a kid and I'm happily married and it's, it's all grave. And that was obviously a decision that I wanted to go through with. But yeah, I find it very strange. You know, the, the three questions when you, you first meet someone, it's like, what do you do for a living? Are you married? Do you have kids? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it's almost like little key indicators of, of where you sit in their social hierarchy. It's it is look because you know uh, i have to explain to people all the time like i have a i'm i have a happy relationship with with someone that's also a bodyboarder we have the same like outlook for life like uh, you know we love this way of of doing whatever we're doing and we've been together for 20 years doing this we don't have to be married we don't have to have kids to to be happy i guess and it's just the people don't understand like what why are you not married like oh you know it's just a paper, to be honest. Oh, so, for yeah. sure, man, for sure. And to be fair, and so my, my lovely wife, Lauren's not going to like me saying this, but in some ways that paper is such a, a law-binding agreement that can actually really ruin your life down the mm, line if you're yeah. not careful. Like if you don't make the right decision and you're not happy with your life partner and then those things kind of run off the railway and you're left with a broken marriage and then your finances are in tatters, you're set back 20 years. You know, it's, yeah. It's, it's a big decision, you know, for all the <laughs> listeners is. out there, it's a big decision if you get married. So just remember to turn down the dial a little bit, put the beer down or whatever you're doing, have a long, hard think, and then move on with your thoughts, you know, because... The thing is, you know, I, I don't feel like it would change anything, at least for my relationship. It's a, I mean, we've been together for 20 years, so it's, it's uh, like, what did the paper change? I don't see me changing anything or him changing anything. Like, whatever we already set, it's already set. So, uh, like, what does it add, you know, other than a party? <laughs> well, I, I like For a sure. party. Maybe maybe we'll do a party. Yeah, yeah do a party. Just have a good yeah. time. It can be like a, a nice celebration. That's with um, Francisco, isn't it? Yeah, Chico, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, long-term partner, Francisco. He takes some cool photos, man. Takes some cool. He does. Photos. He's like my um, biggest support, greatest critic ever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, for sure. No, I'm, I mean, I'm super lucky. He's, uh, you know, those couples that have to come home because they don't, don't have that much time to surf or anything. Like, if we have any disagreement, it's because I don't surf enough. So I don't wow. ever have That's to. That's a good partner. <laughs> it's like you should go surf like you need to go surf now like i don't care i don't want to surf now and like, you need to go <laughs> yeah yeah like come on now yeah. i'm packing the car you're you're, yeah. you're coming with me let's go exactly i'm packing the camera so you need to go i'm here on the beach standing here so you need to go uh yeah he yeah, pushes me a lot. yeah it's great 
That's perfect. Well, I hope that um, continues on. I hope we see you um, competing on the world tour for many more years, Joanna. I really appreciate your time and thank you so much for coming on the Riptide Bodybuilding Podcast because it's been an absolute hoot and I've enjoyed our conversation immensely. Well, thank you. It was my pleasure and thank you for inviting me. <laughs> oh, man, happy days. Actually, actually, I've just forgotten before you go, I've been trying to implement a new segment at the end where I ask you five quick questions in regards to um, bodyboarding in general. Are you willing to sign up for the cause? Okay, let's go. Okay, cool. Um, bat tail or crescent? Uh, crescent. Sweet. Bicep or wrist leash? Bicep. Barrel or pit? Barrel. Dolphin cut fins or um, any other fins on the market? Um, you, I mean, Churchill ones, like, you know, <laughs> asymmetrical. <laughs> that was the yeah, one yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Th- those, definitely, definitely. Perfect. And um, uh, beachy or reef? Um, I'd say beachy because it's my home, yeah. Yeah, sick. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that. It, it, from, from the photos I've seen anyway, it looks like a reef when it breaks properly. So you've got no dramas there. <laughs> I'm actually very right, scared of, of reef. Yeah, I'm very, very scared of any reef. So, Are you? Uh, be, uh, I mean, I have not. I have really very, very little uh, experience, to be honest. Like, I, I remember going to Arica, like first comp in Arica, and I had barely any experience of any reef. So I was just like, okay, let's go. <laughs> I never hit let's any reef. I never hit it, but it's... It, it was intimidating and front-on intimidating as well. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, for, for sure. But, um, I mean, I think some of the photos and some of the footage I've seen of you surfing those heavy wedges, like they're packing the same punch, um, especially on a shallow sandbank as and a concrete press shallow yeah. sandbank uh, compared to reefs. I reckon it's all in your head. You're sweet, mate. It, it, You're it sweet. is, it is, it is, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Joanna, keep well, mate. Thank you very much. Have a good Nice. <laughs> yeah. I... Yeah, I will. Cheers. It was all a pipe dream. Watching bodyboarding up on TV. Deep at reef, watching tension repeats, eating bakery feeds.